So welcome to this week's episode of London Heal. This week, my guest is Aidan Lee. Aidan Lee is an absolute fitness expert, and he's actually even more than that. He's a martial arts expert. He was involved in martial arts from a really, really young age and specialized in kickboxing and has actually taken um, part in several K-1 competitions. Interestingly, Aidan also studied philosophy at university, and he very much integrates his kind of philosophical ideas into his fitness programs. He runs um, a fitness studio called Fit Roots with a whole load of programs, and it's kind of like a one-stop shop for fitness health. A really interesting model, and we're going to explore that and talk a little bit more about that today. So first of all, Aidan, thank you so much for taking the time to come in and talk to me this morning. And likewise, happy to be here. Thank you for the uh, lovely introduction. Hopefully we can share some great insights with the audience. Absolutely. So I'm going to start off by posing a really radical question. It's provocative, which is, why do you think people hate exercise? Because I'm uh, yeah, no, great question. Love it. I, I think uh, it's a good point to start. And uh, the people who hate exercise are the people who don't love themselves. I know that sounds a bit radical too, but so what I, I mean is that I love myself. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. But I think in the, this is the whole sense, not in the, you know, the, the narrow sense of the word. Uh, what I mean is that maybe they haven't found a way to love themselves yet in the way that they need to, because sometimes when it comes to exercise, most of it's boring. And trust me, this has come from, like you said, in my introduction, I do personal training and various other things. I don't like the gym myself. So if I don't like the gym, who in the general public is going to like the gym? Of course, there are people who do, but generally speaking, it's pretty boring. The environment is set up all wrong and it's just really not what people need. So if those factors are already at play, who's going to love it? Not many people. So there is that. I think there are other things external to that. But on top of that, then we have to take personal responsibility to then find out, right, what is the way to go or to go and consult someone like yourself or me to say, hey, look, I don't like this environment. I don't know what to do. I hate exercise. I need help. I need to be coached. So I think if anyone is willing to be open enough and honest with themselves that, hey, I don't love this, but I want to find something I love that I will keep up in the long term, then you'll be good. So it's not necessarily going to be the average and standard programs, but you have to find something you love. It could be something like we offer like martial arts. It could be some other random activity. But for the most part, it's not going to the gym. It's some activity where you're getting into that flow state and you're able to actually be present in the moment. Yeah, I think that's the essential point. I mean, my, my sort of theories on that is, is sort of a bit evolutionary in which, you know, exercise used to be part of our daily act. You know, we were just constantly active animals. You know, we're, we're tribal people. We used to be hunters and gatherers and we were always moving. So if you don't have to move, you probably wouldn't have wanted to in the past because you're trying to save resources. So I think your point about actually finding something that actually has a fun factor is really where the motivation has to come from. Plus the fact of obviously kind of doing something that's good for yourself. But I find that doing something that's just good for you is not really a huge motivator for a lot of people. Mm. Yeah, it's like anything. If you tell people, hey, don't eat these chocolate or these crisps and stop them doing it, does it? Uh, and as you as you fully well know. But yeah, the great point you raised there as well, it's not just something good. It has to be something good and that you enjoy. And also historically, evolutionarily speaking, yeah, we, we are built to, to move. Um, a great book. I don't know if you've heard of it or read it, Tatiana, is Born to Run. No, I That's, haven't. 
you haven't well worth looking into basically i'll just give a brief synopsis it's basically about um this journalist who went and found this tribe in the mexican uh canyons and deserts called the tarumara and they basically can run for hundreds of miles at a time like without stopping that's it's crazy, but they are supposedly called the running people and they have just been conditioned like this because they're actually so isolated from modern day society. That's all they know. And that's all they've ever known. And when we look deeper into it, we realized actually we were built to do certain things like walking, running, uh, throwing and various other movements. And people like that are the prime example of what can be done if you're actually in your true biological element. Great. Well, let's let's go down that road a little bit further. So you talk about sort of like the true biological element. How how what does that look like for you? What do you aspire to when when clients come to you and say, you know, I really know I have to do something. What are you aiming for? I mean, you're not going for the for the huge bodybuilding muscles or anything. So what's your approach and why is that your approach? Uh, Good question. Um, Yeah, I think it's safe to say that I think a lot of people are also sick and tired of all of the rubbish, especially in the health industry, you know, people putting out a lot of BS, which doesn't, one doesn't work is unrealistic and uh, not just unattainable, but it's not really what people want. People are trying to be sold. uh, Sorry. People are marketing things that people don't necessarily want. Don't get me wrong. We all want to look good and feel good and do good, but it's how we get there. If we hate the process, you're not going to keep it up. So to answer your question in terms of approach. uh, Yeah. I mean, I've studied, gosh, so many things over the years and, one thing I've realized I've tried so many different training methodologies is there are things which are damaging and there are things which are good for you. And unfortunately the things which are are damaging are not necessarily um, publicized because of whatever reasons there's various. Um, But instead of going down that route, let's go and focus on what we are made to do. And then that way that will help us to decide what we are meant to do in terms of our movements and training. So as species, as I briefly mentioned earlier, we're meant to walk, we are bipedal. So the, up, the lower body propels us and the upper body rotates. Okay, so what does that mean? So normally when you push and pull, so this is why martial arts is so effective as well, because if it wasn't effective, then it wouldn't work. That's one way of looking at it in a combat situation. So this field, looking at assessing the body in terms of how it moves, is called biomechanics. So this is looking at really what we were built to do. So as I said, if the lower body propels us forward and the upper body rotates and push and pulls, that means there are certain movements. If I throw a punch with my left hand, my right hand has to pull back or my right side of my body pulls back automatically and vice versa when I throw the right hand. So what does that mean? There's a push and pull element. And those are actually called um, slings in the body. So they're, they're called, um, there's one called AOS and POS. So I won't get into it, but it's basically front side of the body. You've got a set of slings and then on the back as well. And it literally acts like an elastic band. When you pull it one way, it moves the other. Pull it one way, move the other. And if you look at the body as a series of interconnected muscles, uh, tissues, joints, ligaments, fascia, we realize we're actually all connected head to toe. So what does that mean? Standing there and doing single arm movements, just take the most classic one, like a bicep curl. Apart from, uh, you know, increasing your vanity and maybe how you look in the mirror in that sense is absolutely not just useless, but damaging because that muscle does not work in isolation. The muscles work in an integrated fashion. So yes, you may need to isolate to activate, but then once you've done that activation, you have to bring it back and integrate it. So the body is working as one whole unit. And when you do that, not only is the body working as one unit, of course, the mind is doing so as well. So that's a brief way of looking at it. And in very brief terms, what 
the base concepts are, but feel free to pick some more out because I think there's more to explore there. Yeah, no, well, let's, let's go into that deeper. So, so you use martial arts as kind of like your framework. Does, does somebody have to have prior experience of martial arts to get into your programs and, and have benefit from them? No, not at all. Uh, most, in fact, 90%, if not more, are beginners. Uh, some have done it before, maybe when they were children or have heard about it or played around with it. But most people are just pure beginners. And what I find is people enjoy it in so many ways because uh, it forces you to be present. There's not many other activities uh, which force you to be as present because you have to re- I mean, especially the way we teach, you have to be really particular. You know, we look at everything, how you breathe, how you move, how you think. And when you bring all of that to the table, uh, yeah, you have to really be focused because if you're not, you can see it. And if you're not, that's fine. We all have our off days, but we find a way to help people bring themselves back to the present and be here. You know, you're here for this class, you know, this one hour, this is all we should be focused on. You know, we've all got problems, myself, yourself, everyone. Uh, But when you're here, you know, come and enjoy yourself. Otherwise, not in a bad way, but it's probably not good for you to be here. But of course, we don't give up like that. We have to find ways to get people more present and help them, um, you know, enjoy themselves and actually feel like they're getting something out of this session. That's a very interesting point, actually, because I, I've, I've talked about in the past um, doing things like, for example, focusing really, really intensely on an activity you're doing to kind of like uh, mimic a, a meditative process. It actually is a meditative process to try and sort of like turn the noise down, you know, whether it's washing up or whatever. But another example of that is is getting into flow states and flow states is something which is very it's a very well known phenomena amongst athletes and sports people so it's interesting that you focus on that too because like once you get that once you're in that present moment you do start to experience those kind of flow states um especially if there's kind of a challenge an unknown challenge going on in the background like somebody about to punch you um um, do you is is that for you what what really kind of like makes the martial art aspect of it stand out from other types of exercise you know from the jogger in the park who's also got headphones and listening to something in the background they're not really that present with the Mm. exercise that they're doing yeah yeah i'm completely with you um so i'll answer that in two parts your comment there at the end was great actually because i'll just tell you a little story about that i used to uh have to when i was competing for fights and competitions i used to have to run just because it was like a prerequisite uh but i used to hate running then and you know as a result i was using the music the headphones as a distraction to get me through that run uh whereas now since you know looking at concepts like uh from the book born to run and various other places and realizing how fundamental running is to human movement and nature. I don't, I keep my phone at home or in the car. I don't want anything to do with it. I just go out and sit on the, to the trails in nature and just connect and just enjoy uh, the run. I stop and take it in if I need to, but I don't need to time it. I don't need to see how far I run. I don't need to know what I'm listening to. Just the sounds are, are, are more than I need. And it's a massive shift. But again, it had to go from me hating uh, running at the start to now loving it. Um, but to answer your question about is martial arts uh, one of the few or, or only activities or why we recommend that doing that um, there's a couple of reasons I think um, what's happened is in martial arts even in martial arts nowadays as it become commercialized especially in the west what happens is basically they've severed the arts from the martial side so the martial meaning war or physical and the arts meaning more of the mental and the spiritual side all they've done is they've kind of said, all right, we'll just focus on doing the physical and, you know, learn the moves, learn how to fight, but forget how to be a better person. And that was a massive, massive mistake. So what I'm trying to do, especially with studying philosophy, is bring those two together 
Now, when you bring those two together, there are not many, and this is how martial arts is meant to be actually originally. There's not many forms of training which will give you all of that in one area. In fact, if it's done properly, I don't actually know anything else. I know there are others where they've supplemented it with the mental and the spiritual and the philosophical side because they, they realized the benefit in it, but there's not many forms where it's actually what it was originally intended to do. So that's why, and one of the main reasons why I believe it's uh, very, a very pure way of learning things. Is the competitive aspect of martial arts um, an important thing? Because I mean, if you look at yoga techniques, for example, that's also very much a mixture of mind and body and breathing and everything, but that's done, you know, in isolation or Tai Chi, even um, those sorts of things. Whereas, you know, a competitive sport where you actually have somebody standing opposite who you might actually just throw a punch or whatever, that adds another element. Is, is that something that's, that's very relevant in this experience? Uh, yes and no. And you've made a good delineation there is that martial arts is actually split into the hard and the soft. As you can imagine, hard martial arts are things like kickboxing, Muay Thai, MMA, uh, BJJ, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and things like that. Uh, wrestling, soft, Tai Chi, Qigong, you know, yoga, I would in some ways consider a martial art. Uh, so, yeah, it's really how you split that. There should be a balance. You know, it's, it's the cliche yin and yang approach. You know, we must have some hard and soft to be able to take the hard in this way to be able to receive the punch to the face or to avoid it. Ideally, you must be able to move and move softly and in flow to come back. Uh, I think it has its place because I think one shouldn't just discount the soft or the hard. I think they really do need to have their, their place. And I think there's, there's nothing like um, hit, being hit with reality in the sense that, you know, if you're having to really be focused on not getting hit, you tend to be quite present because if you don't, you're going to get hit in the face. Now, I'm not advising it, but it's just one of those things that, you know, look, I think everyone should be able to defend themselves. That's for sure. And in order to do that, you're going to have to take a little bit of a, a hit here and there, because even at the top level, professional fighters, whatever, they take hits. So you're going to have to learn. I'm not saying you need to go to that level, but to learn and develop an adequate level of self-defense, you need to fit, uh, know what it feels like to actually get hit. And it's actually quite humbling because it, forces you there and then to accept your flaws and be honest with yourself about what you've done wrong. And if you can, instead of dwelling on it, it forces you to actually make quick decisions and implement what you need to do. So next time, if the same technique or problem occurs, you don't get hit. Okay. That sort of um, um, made me think of something when you, when you were talking about that, because one of the things we know for sure is that stress and activation of this HPA axis, all of the fight-flight responses, is actually kind of long-term detrimental to health. It's, it's certainly supposed to be activated. The system's there for a reason, but it's, you know, we, we, most of us live in a constant state of stress. So if I understand this correctly, in some ways, what what the martial arts sort of school of thought is is actually managing to affect this peak physical activity but still not allowing yourself to go over into that kind of like panic fight or flight but actually sort of stay quiet within and centered so that you can you know think about what's coming next and is is that i have no experience with martial arts so you know, I'm just like grappling at ideas here, but that, that's just something that struck me. Is that even vaguely relevant? No, most, most definitely. And it's good that you can, it's amazing. You can pull those realizations from it without having experience because you have other experience in parallel 
uh, if you like, parallel experiences or parallel activities which have the same results. Yeah, I, I would massively say so. I think um, because it forces you to deal with stress in a very upfront way, you know, especially if it's something coming at you, um, you do you do then deal with that stress differently. And as you say, we're, we're all hyper stressed these days, myself included. And you know, it's one of those things that as we deal with it, we have to realize that, okay, depending on what you're doing, either it's not sustainable anymore, or you need to find another way to, to solve your problem because things like stress, as you, as you know, silent killers. And, you know, if you're going to carry on on that path, just be aware that there is something that it might not hit you now. You might feel fine, but if you're going to, if you're on the road to burnout, you, you're going to feel it sooner or later. And um, yeah, I think with martial arts, it's really forcing you to deal with whatever is happening in your life. Because if you don't, you won't become a better martial artist. I see this in my students and other people as well, is that those who get better are those who are willing to deal with their problems sooner. And that's not just the problems of their technique. That's personal problems, professional business life as a whole, because it really is an all encompassing uh, if done correctly. And if taught correctly, it's an all encompassing way of learning. Great. So martial arts is obviously it's quite an energetic, it's quite a physical, um, you know, highly skilled sort of thing. So, you know, I have a mental picture of all these very, very young people. You're a gorgeous young man yourself. Um, is, is there sort of like an age limit you know, for being able to actually, you know, could an old lady like me actually get something out of that? I'm not old, by the way. I just said that. <laughs> no, not, not at all. Not at all. No, of course you can. Yeah, definitely. There's no age limits. I mean, you can look look these things up but uh i think the age limit is up here that's for sure uh don't get me wrong certain styles of martial arts are more um inclined to people who are are more how can i say are more fit and more ready that's to make them effective but then saying that you know it's really depends on where you're at like if someone is in their 60s and wants to learn kickboxing there's nothing wrong with that but i see the problem is not the age it's the mechanics it's the biomechanics of the people of the person sorry who's actually trying uh, the problem becomes mostly, especially nowadays, as I'm seeing with older people, is that their mechanics are so bad that we need to fix that first, regardless of what you do. It doesn't have to be martial art, it could be anything. Um, but yeah, there's definitely room. Uh, I know people who obviously have students who are young, some who are old. Uh, my dad, for example, who was my first instructor, he's, uh, he's going to be 61 this year. And he can still kick it above his head and, you know, jump around and, and do jumping kicks and everything. So it's not an age thing. It's definitely a mentality thing and a mechanical thing. Great. Well, let's, let's examine your process a little bit there, because you talked about first sort of getting, getting people sort of biomechanically set up. So if, if a client comes to you um, and is, you know, an absolute sort of like hater of exercise, but has understood that they, they've got to do something, the idea of martial arts is appealing to them. What, what would be your pro process? How do, you, how do you start off with somebody like that? Yeah, just talking to them. I think it's, you know, it's really just engaging with them, building some rapport and understanding, just being, you know, on a human level with them, because we have to, you know, I have to bring myself down to their level in the sense that they aren't going to be as skilled yet because they're just starting. But then actually, you know, they're bringing themselves up to my level as well and vice versa, because we're both just humans. So we just need to talk as if there's nothing else happening. Like we're just getting to know each other. Uh, you know, I'm getting to know mostly more about them than me, of course, but mostly trying to understand them, their story, their background, how they got to where they are now. And really, if they have any problems, whether it be weight, injuries, uh, mechanical beliefs or whatever, just really trying to get to the root of those first, because yeah, I could wait and not have that conversation, but I'll see it come up in the training. You know, if someone's scared of 
committing to something, I'll see it because I actually saw this the other day with one of my students, you know, it's like, you're not committing because they're, they're not mentally ready to commit, not just for anything. Sorry, not just in this context, but for anything. Um, and you see it in people's movements. So what I'm saying is that people's beliefs actually manifest themselves in their movements, especially in something like martial arts. So that conversation is so important. We'll sit down, we'll discuss what they want to achieve, what their goals are. And then from there, we'll say, all right, look, what can we do to achieve this? What's the plan? You know, how can we get you from A to B? And what are the steps in between that? But the most important thing, as always, is understanding why they want to get from A to B and deal with those things in between. And if that's strong enough, we can generally tend to find a way where they will uh, overcome their excuses, objections, and all the reasons to stay where they are now, but hopefully get to B and realize that there's there's a better life for them. There's a better option. Right. And what about like the biomechanical aspect that you that you talked about? How do how do you actually address that? Sure. So it depends on the context. So if in one to one training, it's a lot I say easier, but better because I can you know focus on people individually. Uh, that's in person and or online because I work with people online as well. Um, but in group scenarios, so with the martial arts school, for example, I can assess them, but it's not as easy to obviously implement as a strategy because, you know, I have other students in the class who need to help as well. But there are tips we always give. We have videos and things outside of that, which people can work on. Uh, but ultimately, like anything, it's looking at health from or that person's health from an individual perspective. Yes, you know, there may be people who have backache, but maybe it's not all origin- originating from the same place. So we have to try and originate the source of the pain and why it's there. And it could be a postural thing, could be a breathing thing, biomechanical. It's most likely they're all intertwined. So it's most likely all three in some form or another. Uh, so work out what that is with them. So look, okay, you've got X problem with your posture and this is leading to X lack of movement or range of movement here and hence giving you pain and pain signals in X place. So once you figure out that and they see what you're looking at, because generally I've got to a point now within a few seconds, like of seeing someone, you can kind of tell, you know, what their problem is. And yeah, it's taken me a while to get there, but just being looking at someone, how they move and how they walk particularly, uh, but how they move in general, especially when they come into a context, which is dynamic movement, like martial arts, then you can really see that. So I don't have to do, Yes, I will do assessments as well. I will do various assessments to test that, but you kind of know it when you see it, once you've got enough experience anyway. But it's getting them to see it is the difference because I can see it, but if they don't see it, then there's no point. They're not going to change it. Well, they don't see it as a problem. Right. And so you you actually sort of cover um, quite a, a range of, of different things. So like with the movement aspect of it, is that solely martial arts or is there other, other modalities that you also um, teach and practice? Yeah, definitely a mixture of modalities. I think look, martial arts has its place, but like anything, you can't just rely on one modality. Um, yeah, I think there is a lot of, because you have to become, martial arts gives you strength, don't get me wrong. Um, but I think there are other things that you need to work on. So you need some form of functional strength training. You need to, I mean, this is really, if you're doing proper martial arts, this is all involved anyway. You need to be working on your posture, on your breathing, uh, on your stress reduction, on your nutrition, on your sleep, on your mindset and the way you think and how you know how you really look at achieving what you want so yeah really looking at that i would say the the biggest thing out of that is looking at the functional strength training because that incorporates the posture and the breathing and the biomechanics and in that um what we look to do is basically it's a couple of the concepts i explained earlier about 
pushing and pulling and rotating with the upper body, uh, lower body propelling us forwards and backwards. So it's basically combining those concepts into a way which is enabling people to get stronger in a more efficient and safe manner. Because I'm looking at longevity as well as um, quality of life. You know, you could say, right, let's go and do a you know, bodybuilding transformation over the next 12 weeks. And don't get me wrong, they'll, they'll probably look good afterwards, but they'll be in a lot of pain and reinforcing dysfunctions rather than releasing them. So you want to get into the mindset of looking at the body as one unit and also understanding what it's here for, what it's meant to do. If it's not doing those right movements, you know, like whenever in history would just take this example, whenever in history would we have ever sat there and done bicep curls like you know for 100 reps it just doesn't make any sense well, who would do that and um yeah it's just quite funny because then you know when you go to the gym and you understand these things it kind of looks like a bit of jungle because uh, a lot of people are doing things which just make no sense whatsoever and then when you're doing the things which do kind of make sense people look at you strange because you're like you're the guy who's doing the funny things so it's quite ironic how it works but um hopefully that explains a small amount but feel free to dig dig deeper because I can try and explain more concepts and we can go a bit more granular if you like yeah I mean I was just thinking for example like at the moment you know you 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 exercise is like so many things it it always goes in phases and fads and somebody's always got the best exercise program or the best diet or whatever whatever so I mean I I love your approach because I think anything that that we do has to be with the body and not against it I'm totally totally in tune with that Um, so my point is, for example, I've been hearing um, a lot about high intensity training. So is that something that you think is important and a natural process? And how do you uh, what, what are your opinions on that? Yeah. Uh, yes and no. So it's not as important as it's been touted um, with the, you know, the media, as you're saying, the, all the new fads coming out. So it's definitely not as important as that. Um, why they've made it so important is because they're basically promising people can get such good results with it, which yes, look, high intensity is good in the sense that it does burn and activate more of the body and things like that. But at the same time, if you're doing poor exercise and you're doing, or you're doing poor movement and your quality of movement is poor, you're only ingraining those bad patterns further. So yes, you could say, oh, I lost, I've heard this from various people. Oh, I've lost, you know, so much weight doing, um, I won't name certain programs, but I, I could do later on, but uh, doing the X program and Y program. Okay, great. But what's your quality of movement like? I've actually seen people's quality of movement get worse. And when they realized later on, oh, I was because of that program, then they say, oh, I don't know, maybe I should have listened to you. Or maybe actually I didn't realize what I was doing. And that's fine, but it has its place. Um, and don't get me wrong, I do it, we do it, but it's how it's done. If it's not done safely and it's not done with the proper movement, it will actually do more damage than good. And not only that, if you do things with the proper movement, they become more efficient because you activate more of the muscles in the body in the right way. So you have to actually do less of it rather than more. So sometimes the key is not necessarily to do more. It's actually to do less more efficiently. So you get more bang for your buck. And that's what I would say good high intensity training is. Unfortunately, 99% of it is not good movement. So you're just pushing yourself. Uh, until you drop because you don't know how to actually work your body in a way where actually let me just say right how how about if we do 10 reps of that properly and do it in a way which you're going to really feel it and or in all the right areas what's better for you that or just doing it badly and you know dropping out afterwards right 
So let's move on a little bit to the other aspects of, of what you offer in, in your kind of one-stop shop program. So, so you definitely look at nutrition. So do you have any particular um, ideas or ideologies that you, that you stick to there as far as nutrition are concerned? Because that's also a, a total minefield at the moment. Yeah, massively. Um, yeah, so I mean, look, I, I'm vegan myself, but I don't necessarily advise that for everyone. Uh, that's just a more of a personal choice. However, I will say this, I think that, you know, whether you eat uh, meat or fish or dairy or eggs or whatever, um, it's kind of non, uh, I don't say non-arguable, but generally speaking, I would say if people's at least 80% of their nutrition was plant-based, you'd be on a good, good path and better than if, you know, because you can be vegan and have a poor, poor diet as well. So, you know, I would say that, yes, at least 80% plant-based. If you're going to have, you know, meats, fish and all the other stuff, go for it. Uh, dairy is something I, I cannot agree with, regardless of what nutrition thing you believe in. Uh, it just doesn't make any sense uh, whatsoever. Um, I think the, the, the health detriments and effects of it are also not, are not worth the risk. Even, you know, even if you get the um, pasteurized and you know, unhomogenized stuff and everything like that. Um, I, th I always think that look back and try and keep things to as much of the source as possible. So keep them unprocessed, you know, try and, you know, where's your greens, you know, is 50% of your plate, you know, vegetables and good high nutrient dense foods. If it's not, you're not doing it right. You know, so it's the main thing is nutrient density and nutrient quality rather than calor calorific density and calorific quality. There's no use eating three, uh, 2000 calories if they're poor, why not eat 2000 good ones? And if people treat each calorie like a little bit of fuel you're putting into your body, like you put petrol into a car, you put, pour, you put water in there, it's not going to work that well, but you put high performance stuff, it's going to work really well. I mean, it's a simple analogy, but it's one most people have heard. Um, on top of that, I think I used to think nutrition was the most important thing or one of them, as, especially as it's touted now. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it's not important. It is massively important. But I think um, having the right state of mind, having the access to the uh, right water, the right light, the right biomechanics and the right uh, functional training is more important. And then nutrition comes after that for me. So really, nutrition is actually number five or six. Um, but Again, it's not discounting it. it is important, but it's all these things they play together. If you don't have the right mindset, let's just say you're stressed all the time. You could eat the best foods in the world, but your body is going to reject and not going to really assimilate all of that nutrition in the way that it should. So you don't have a preference, for example, for the high carb, low carb kind of story, because you know that's that's very much ah. in, in discussion at the moment. Yeah, so I would think that if you're doing a large amount of exercise, you actually probably need a lot of high quality fuel, right? Yes, exactly. I mean, I, th I think of it like this. Uh, there are a couple of ways to look at it. Um, the brain predominantly needs carbohydrates and glycogen to function properly. And I think, you know, the body does too. Uh, so I think as a result, it does tend to lean towards, I wouldn't necessarily say high carbs, but more carbs than low. I think low carbs is a bit of a weird thing. Um, but saying that, depending, this is where um, things differ depending on your genetic background. So I, for example, I'm three quarters Sri Lankan and a quarter Irish, but I was born and raised here in the UK. So, you know, you could argue I'm from here. However, my genetic lineage uh, tends and leans more towards the equator. So I, I believe more in the understanding that 
the closer you are to the equator, the more higher your carb tolerance is. The further away you are, the less you are, and maybe you don't need it as much. But saying that, even then, those who are, you know, maybe like yourself or, or actually from the UK or place, places like this or in Europe, um, you know, this whole like paleo, no carb stuff, I think it's just one, too restrictive. And two, is it actually really benefiting you? Is it really based on anything um, in terms of evolutionary history? And I guess nowadays the scientific data, there's so much conflicting uh, evidence and thoughts, you know, as you quite rightly ask, there's a debate going on. You don't know who to believe. And that's coming from, from people like us, let alone uh, the general public. But I think you have to take these things with a grain of salt. Not all of these studies are, are the best. You have to look back and theoretically think, right, what's, what's the most practical thing and what would we have done beforehand? And when you look at it as well, talking about the equator, um, the proximity to the equator and carb tolerance, you also got to think um, in terms of genetic history, well, what has really changed in us? Not much has changed over the last, you know, hundreds of thousands uh, of years, if not more. And therefore our nutrition really hasn't, doesn't need to change that much. Yeah, no, I, I sort of agree with you, but, um, you know, I, I, I think there's no shadow of a doubt that our diets have changed massively in the last 50 to 60 years. Um, so I, I focus myself a little less on, on macronutrients, you know, whether it's protein, carbohydrate or, um, or fats and, and concern myself a lot more with the quality of the food, which is exactly what you were talking about before. So I think it's much more important that you, that you don't eat processed sugar and processed foods and that you actually get those components. Cause I mean, carbohydrates that you get from plants are actually quite difficult to extract for the body. It's not easy work. It's not like eating, you know, or drinking a can of soda or something. So yeah. no, I totally agree with that. It's a very interesting idea about this thing with the equator. I'd never thought about that. I may have to go off and research that a bit more. Yes, it's, it's look really into it. It's very idea. interesting. Yeah, it makes total sense. So what about the um, the more kind of spiritual mental um, component? How how do you deliver that to your clients? How do you guide them in those respects? Yeah, sure. Um, so I'll take the martial arts school because that's what our focus is currently. Um, but we do obviously in the other context as well. But the way I, I like to do it is, you know, we have everyone come in for class. We spend the first five, 10 minutes on some sort of philosophical insight or reading. So sometimes it will be me um, teaching them about a certain concept. Sometimes it might be me reading about a, uh, reading a certain extract from a philosophical book or of some nature, and then getting a discussion, getting everyone involved. Sometimes it might be me asking a particular question to them, but, what I always try and tie it back to is what they're going to be working on in the session there and then after that, but then also to their lives outside of class as well. So they're actually always thinking about, right, you're in class. Okay. You're here to develop not just physically, but mentally as well, especially that's why we do it at the start, but also outside of that, you yeah, deliver, you know, videos and we have a private group for our students and uh, whether they'd be working with us in person in our martial arts school, personal training or online personal training. Uh, it doesn't matter because they're, they're all there. And, we're able to tell people nowadays, look, I can give you a concept and I can break it down. As long as I've absorbed it and I've learned it, I can break it down for you simply. If you want to go further and you really want to study and learn it, which I would advise for everyone to do, then go and pick up the book, you know, go and learn or go and read the original because I can only give you so much. Um, so that's normally how it's done. 
so many topics are covered. I mean, it's hard to say what. Sometimes we'll focus on uh, pure philosophy stuff. Sometimes I will, you know, teach them a bit of biomechanics concepts. We'll work on nutrition, anything really. It's re really covering the whole scope of what we offer. And depending on the demand of what uh, people ask for, because I get my students, you know, tell me, you know, what you want to learn. And sometimes it's on my side as well. I'm like, okay, everyone needs a bit more of this. They need a bit more discipline. They need a bit more X or Y or Z. Yeah, great. Um, you're based in Slough, but um, you said you, you offer an online program. I'm always really skeptical about online fitness programs because, of course, the one thing that's really missing there is accountability. You know, you, mm. can, you can pretend to yourself that you did it, but you didn't really. So um, how, do, how does that work in your program? What do you do differently there to keep people kind of motivated and on track? Yeah, sure. Good question. Um, I do not offer the low end fitness programs. I think that's one of the problems with most of them. People, basically, a lot of people in the industry thought they could make a quick buck and a load of money just by putting a PDF together and just putting it out on the internet and getting people to buy it for £20 or dollars or whatever. Uh, yeah, there are obviously people who, who are like that and have amazing followings. But if you were to ask them how many percentile, percentage wise or of a percentile, how many uh, of their clients actually achieve the results it would be in the single digits because when you don't have as you know that accountability you cannot uh, you're not going to achieve what you could do potentially with that accountability so the online stuff i offer at the moment is more one-to-one -one. we will be putting some more group stuff out there like membership sites eventually but that what that enables me to do is to sit down literally like this like we are now over zoom uh, once a week and we'll have an accountability session a coaching session and accountability mixed up in one uh, but i get people to check in with me every day like if you're working with me one-to-one -one, you you have to check in with me every day all right have you done what your your habits today and it's just it's just a simple yes or no it doesn't have to be a whole breakdown but we work out what their habits are what they need to work on whether it be their training session for the day you know whether it be they had enough water whatever they're working on and they'll say yes or no if they say, if it's no why not okay why not let's fix that let's hope uh find a way to make that not happen again. If it's yes, great, on to tomorrow, let's move on. But having that call once a week and having that daily accountability and we have a back-end system which helps us uh, and them and the client and students see all of their progress to date as well is important because it keeps people on track and there's some metrics involved as well so they can see how they're getting on if they're losing weight or if they're uh, you know, getting muscle, whatever it might be. Oh, that sounds great, yeah, because I, you know, I think that sense of... of motivation and accountability is is really key because you know once you don't go for one day then you don't go for two days and then you don't go for three days and then you have <laughs> square one I, I try i have been there so many times um <laughs> so yeah that's that's really interesting awesome. if there was one thing that you could recommend to people that they could do for themselves at home um in their own kind of four walls that would really start to move them towards a place of better physical condition um mental obviously as well what what would that be what would you recommend sure uh i would recommend thinking for yourself so it sounds a bit abstract but what i mean by that is you know take some responsibility of your health and your well-being physical and mental as you refer to and as a result decide right okay either you're going to spend the time and put in hours and hours which is fine uh you know someone like myself has put in over 10,000 hours or whatever, you know, that typical metric. Um, so if you're going to spend that time yourself, go for it, but realize that it's a, sh it's a longer learning curve and also it'll take you a longer time. 
if you want to cut straight to the source, then go and find someone like you or me or whoever it might be. Um, but even if someone does find someone like you or me, what I would always say to them is you cannot rely on people like us because we are simply conduits to give you a path or at least show you the path to where you want to go. But you have to put in the work. So, you know, all my, all my students, they have to, you know, most, all of them read now. Some of them never used to read or anything like that. So every, every day, all right, what are you reading? What are you learning? And it's important. So again, I'm getting them to take that step to learn to think for themselves. And uh, my philosophy professor said it great to me when we, when we started, they said, you know, when you go to school, you, you're taught what to think, not how to think. So learn how to think. I would say that's the biggest thing. If you can do that, not only then by yourself are you developing, but say you worked with someone like you and I, you bring better questions to the table. When you bring better questions to the table, you bring better development and growth to the table as well. And you will skyrocket your success and your growth. Instead, if you were to not do any of that, it would be pretty slow. Yeah, you might get there with just relying on you and me, but it's not the best way. Yeah, absolutely. Singing my song, full engagement and self-responsibility, hugely important. And I think it's really challenging in this day and age because, you know, we our education belongs in the hands of schools and, and universities and our salaries belong in the hands of, of our employers and our healthcare belongs in the hands of doctors and hospitals. And at some point you've just got to say, well, wait a minute, you know, this is my life and I have to take some of that responsibility back and yes. the truth believe that you know learning and growth is is central to that i mean that's that's part of the purpose of of my being here is is to help people with with you know getting right information so they can make informed decisions and i think that's very much part of your approach as well isn't it yeah no course. no it's good to see you doing that as well because i can see it coming out of you naturally and uh you know you're trying to really add value with this whether what you did with this podcast or what you do normally it's it's great to see yeah likewise absolutely so um, I really want to thank you for coming on the show and taking the time. Um, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you? As we said before, you're based in Slough, but you do have these online courses. So if anyone wants to find out any information, we can put in any links under the podcast in the notes. But maybe if you just briefly tell us where, what's the easiest way to find you course yeah no first of all i just want to thank you it's been a pleasure and a great conversation and uh, hopefully your audience and you guys listening have got some value out of this uh, i would love to hear if you have uh, you can find uh, my company which is uh, fit roots and myself at www.fitroots.co.uk that's f-i-t-r-o-o-t-s uh, there you'll have links to all our social uh, channels and everything like that we're on all of them um you can also contact me by email, uh, which is aiden at fitroots.co.uk. But all of our programs on the website. So if you're local or far, I'd be happy to help. Even if it's just something that you want some advice, just shoot me a message. I'd be more than happy to talk. But like Tatiana, I've also got uh, our own podcast we launched recently, the Fitroots podcast, which you can find on iTunes and Shout Engine. So yeah, I'll give you all the links, but thank you. Wonderful. So we're just going to finish up with three little questions that I always like to ask all of my guests, um, because, you know, as I said, you know, I'm very much into the idea of mind-body medicine, and I like to encompass that in a couple of ideas that I call health, happiness, and serenity. So how do you actually define health? Oh, good question. Um, I would say health is the balance and combination of physical uh, mental, spiritual, even social, financial, and psychological well-being. Wow. So the whole gamut. <laughs> yes. <definitely. laughs> 
And what about happiness? Where does Aiden find happiness? Oh gosh, uh, as in where do I find it, or, or, or do how I... do you find it? What, what uh, makes you happy? Ah, uh, okay. Um, gosh, uh, making an impact makes me happy. You know, uh, making an impact on people's lives with what I do. Before uh, we didn't even cover that actually, but I was meant to turn professional uh, in fighting. That was like what I built my identity around, and it was very me, me, me. But when I, you know, had some you know real ups and downs, a lot of downs, figuring out. Hey, what am I, how am I going to come back for this? What am I going to do? And ultimately realize a life of service and value to others who can transform their lives. Just like someone like you and I have is, is much more important. So to serve, to serve others and to give back and to make this as cliche as it sounds to make this world a better place. I think that's a, a lovely sentiment. And what about serenity? I always think it's so important that, you know, we talked a little bit about that before at the beginning um, of, of quietening down the noise. What, what practices do you follow, if any, to actually turn down the noise? Definitely. Good question. Uh, meditation uh, daily, normally in the mornings, about 10 minutes, give or take, sometimes more. Uh, grounding, uh, just going outside not familiar with that going outside uh, barefoot ideally on something like grass is nice um gosh what else the affirmations um gratitudes um breathing exercises and my training you know even if it's a physical and a hard form of training that keeps me grounded keeps me serene and more peaceful otherwise the stress builds up and it stays internal rather than letting it out uh, so I would say, yeah, looking after my health in all aspects gives me that grounding. And even even reading, you know, health for me is, is, a, is a, a mental development as well. So reading and studying is a, is a big thing for me as well. Great. Well, that's really wonderful. And thanks so much. I think you've given the listeners a huge amount to think about lots of good advice and good, really, really sensible ways of looking at things. And um, hopefully they'll they'll look you up and, and find out more information and we'll definitely have you back because you're growing and flourishing and and the more you have to offer the more we'd like to to talk about that maybe we can go into a bit more detail on our specific topics another time so thanks yeah. again Aidan um, I really really appreciate it and very much acknowledge what you're doing um, I think you have a fabulous approach um, also just a really nice person which I think helps enormously <laughs> I think you know so many of us have been looked down on from from teachers from from the top down and and you're just you're just such an approachable person and really real and I think that's that's what's very very appealing um, in a person and very appealing in a teacher so I wish you all the best and uh, very much appreciate your good work thank you and thank you. Likewise, honestly, your, your audience are very blessed to have you teaching them and having the guests come in and do so. So, yeah, hopefully those guys can really take something away from this. Um, yeah, honestly, thanks for listening. It's been a real pleasure being here. Looking forward to doing more to, uh, with each other. Great. Lovely. So, dear listeners, thank you very much for tuning into this week's episode. I hope you got as much out of it as I did. Um, I think I might actually have to get off that couch and, you know, shake off my potato skin and get moving. Um, it's definitely the one thing I have a problem with. But I must admit, Aiden's really motivated me to actually get up and do something. So thanks a lot and um, hope that you can all tune in to our next episode. And if you're enjoying what you're hearing, please rate, review, subscribe. Um, because all of that really helps us to get up the ratings and get this useful information out to the people who really need it. Also check out our Facebook page at London Heal. And also if you want to sign up for our mailing list so that you get 
all of the goodies up up in advance and ahead of time, then just come onto our list over at londonheal.com. And until next week, wishing you all, as always, health, happiness, and serenity. <laughs>